Hey guys, welcome back to the Inner Dragon Podcast, episode four, the official podcast of the Dragon Camp Foundation, where we share and empower diverse voices of the community to inspire the next generation of youth leaders. My name is Raj Parekh. And my name is Nathan Liu. And at the Inner Dragon Podcast, we feature guests who inspire change in their community. And today, I'm so grateful that we get to talk to someone our age. So I would love to introduce Jackie Nee. How are you? Good, good. Um, thank you so much, Raj and Nathan, for having me on. Um, I'm really excited to dive into this interview today. <laughs> us as well, us as well. So first question, we'd, we'd love to know how COVID has been for you. We, we know you're taking a gap year right now. Right. So I, I would describe my COVID experience, at least socially, um, with the five stages of grief. Um, so basically the five stages of grief uh, begins with denial. And for me, that denial kind of started in January of uh, 2020. So, and lasted until early March. So basically I heard about this virus in China. Um, you know, it was really rapidly spreading over there. And I, I thought there'd be no way it reached us. And even if it did reach us, it'd be controlled really quickly. Um, and so I kind of just carried on with my uh, normal life during those months. Um, but clearly over the course of those months, I started to realize that that was not happening. And so that kind of led to the anger phase, which is around mid-March. Um, so basically I was really angry during this time because the school was shut down. And as student, cl uh, as student class president, uh, student council class president, I, I had to plan a lot of things like senior prank, prom, uh, and winter formal. And a lot of these events had to be canceled because of COVID-19. And mm. so, you know, that, that made me really disappointed and angry. And then the next phase was bargaining. Uh, this was around April. Um, and this actually involved real bargaining, like real compromises. And so what happened was this was, you know, like the COVID-19 was ramping up. Um, I was stuck at home. And, you know, I was invited to go to one of my friend's house and it was only the four of us and it was going to be socially distanced, but my mom was really paranoid and didn't want me to go outside at all. So what I did is literally, I pulled out a piece of paper, did some equations and actually did mathematical calculations to show my mother that statistically speaking, um, there was a higher chance of me getting struck by lightning that day than me getting COVID-19. Um, so there was that. And then that kind of moved on to the depression phrase, which is like May to June. So like COVID-19 was bad, bad. Um, and I didn't want to take any chances. So I couldn't go out at all. And the only contact I had with friends was playing the uh, one among us once in a while and doing like Netflix parties. And I also knew people at the time who, who had COVID-19 or who also um, had like family members who passed away from COVID. So this time was generally just like really sad. Um, but this kind of moved on to acceptance, uh, which was July and beyond. I was kind of desensitized to everything. Uh, every day is kind of slowly turned into a routine where you do the same thing over and over again. Uh, but in 2021, sort of this new year, um, I kind of added a new stage myself to the five stages of grief known as the one piece stage. Basically what happens is during the stage, all my free time, I just spend watching one piece. Um, so. Oh, <laughs> Overall, I would say that COVID-19 has definitely made life a lot less interesting, uh, but it's also given me a lot of time to work on projects I really enjoy um, and develop myself. You know, I, I've done a lot of like exercise, like the one punch man challenge, if you guys know what that is. 
Uh, it's basically 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, and a 10-kilometer run every single day. Played a lot of chess.com, even though I've lost most of them. Uh, <laughs> I've played my viola a lot, uh, which I haven't really done in the past. And I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of reading. Uh, I try to aim for a book a day. So yeah, that's pretty much my COVID-19 experience. Wow, that, that's fantastic to hear. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, um, yeah, some some COVID experiences can be totally different from others. It's it's uh, kind of inspiring actually to see that you're able to get yourself out of the stages of grief. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to know one of the passion projects that you've been working on. Uh, it was during COVID, right? Right. Um, so I've been working on the nonprofit organization known as, uh, known as Supply Creek. And so basically what happened was COVID-19 was ramping up. This was around mid-May, I mean, mid-March. I had a lot of free time on my hands um, as a second semester senior. I also had the programming skills, so I decided to help in any way I could. So I built a website that connected donors and recipients, uh, mainly healthcare facilities like hospitals, hospices, and senior living centers. And so um, I was able to get over 300,000 PPE donated, uh, personal protective equipment, including masks and gloves. Um, this organization was covered by a lot of news outlets. Um, and, you know, they were, at first, the interviews were kind of frightening because I haven't really done any of them. And one really memorable interview was this one with Fox, um, Fox 11. Uh, basically, I filmed the interview. Uh, he asked me, you know, what do you do for fun or like what's keeping you in check or sane during COVID-19? I bring out my ramen stash, which is this like 10 ramen um, high <laughs> pile of ramen. Um, and then so afterwards, I went to take a nap uh, because I was really tired because I also had school that day. And then I, I was violently woken up by my mother who got a call from the Fox News office, which is like, hey, we, we had this like really great interview, but we lost your interview file. So... Uh, we need you to re-record the interview and it's going to air in 35 minutes. So you have five minutes to prepare. So I woke up from my nap, which is like, I was really tired and I didn't know what was going on, but I just had an interview again. So, you know, uh, interviews were uh, good and also kind of um, bad sometimes. But anyways, uh, so June also came around. And during June, I, alongside everyone else, saw the murder of George Floyd. Um, and I wanted to join in the protest. However, I had an immunocompromised brother and my mother wouldn't let me leave the house. So instead what I did was try to help out um, virtually. So I created an offshoot of Supply Crate specifically for BLM uh, protests. We helped donate over uh, to over 20 different BLM protests across the country. And most notably, we were able to help out Black Lives Matter Harlem Street Mural, which was this event that created this gigantic, uh, I think it was like, three to four street long uh, mural that uh, said Black Lives Matter. Um, and so, yeah, we were able to do a little bit for BLM protests. And so now Supply Crate is no longer active uh, because it was cre- really created during a time where there wasn't a lot of government support. Um, now there's a lot more like larger, more organized organizations out there. And that's kind of just, I, I think it's more effective to kind of let them handle things. And so, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it for Supply Crate. Man, that is seriously inspirational. Definitely uh, thinking outside the box during a time like this and for uh, someone our age to make such an impact for not only COVID-19, but also for Black Lives Matter is is very impressive to see. But um, one of the questions that we had, and you briefly mentioned it, was 
you're a self-starter, you know, you managed to create the website. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of develop your passion in coding and how did you manage to create the crowdfunding website in the first place? Yeah. So as for passion um, in coding, I think my passion either started in Minecraft or this game called Pokemon Tower Defense. I would say it's like 2080 split. Um, so basically Pokemon Tower Defense is this online game. Um, and the reason why I played it a lot was because my mom wouldn't buy me a DS because she was like, that's literally a game machine. I'm not buying you a game machine. Um, so the only way I could play, you know, because everyone was speaking about Pokemon, we were playing Pokemon cards and I didn't have access to Pokemon. So the next best thing was Pokemon Tower Defense on Google. Um, it's basically bootleg Pokemon. It's really similar to Bloons, uh Tower Defense. And basically what happened there was that, you know, you could catch Pokemon uh, but usually there would be kind of bad Pokemon, like you would just mainly get Metapods. And so I went on YouTube and searched up, you know, how do you basically, how do you hack the system? How do you turn your Metapod into something like, you know, different? And I came across a software called Cheat Engine. And Cheat Engine was this like uh, program you could download and you could like manipulate um, your um, Chrome extension, uh, your Google Chrome browser and like whatever games you were playing on it. And so I basically watched the whole video I installed Cheat Engine. I basically looked at uh, the instructions and I followed it. And then eventually uh, I clicked enter and my Metapod became a shiny Charizard. Um, And that was a very enlightening experience and also made me really interested in coding. Um, But yeah, that was kind of the start. Uh, And I guess professionally, uh, it would kind of be like what made me like coding professionally, not kind of just like uh, like interested in it would be a hackathon. And this hackathon specifically was the Angel Hack LA hackathon. So a hackathon is a 24 hour coding competition. And I was invited to it, I think my the summer of my uh, sophomore year, my friend was like, hey, let's just go to a hackathon. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Um, but he's like, it's fine, uh, let's just go. And I was really conflicted at the time because uh, that day was also the day of the OC night market, which is this food festival I enjoy doing a lot so the question on my mind was hey do you want to go to a food festival where you can get guaranteed delicious food or do you want to go to this foreign event that you've never heard of but you know may be interesting so I was like okay sure let's go to the foreign event so we go to the hackathon and it turns out we didn't buy our tickets um so we drove an hour already and it's like okay this is kind of sad but one of my teammates, uh, Ryan, the guy who invited me to the event, basically begged the um, bouncer for the event for like two hours. Um, and eventually he felt pity for us and let us in. And so throughout the whole event, it was really interesting because, you know, it was my first time going into like a corporate, like a main corporate office that's specifically for software. Um, and there was a lot of glass, glass windows, glass offices, and it was really interesting. There was also a lot of free food, which I really enjoyed. Um, and basically, we were trying to aim for this one category. Um, and when we finished the whole event and presented, we only thought we were going to win that one category. But as it turns out, we won that category as well as the entire event, uh, which invited us to this international program called the Angel Hack Accelerator Program. And through that event, uh, we somehow made it to the top as one of the only high school teams in the event. Uh, we made it to this event called the um, like San Francisco Week. And basically we went to San Francisco, we pitched in front of like 200 different investors. We met up with different VC firms 
and it was overall just a really great time. As for like how I built supply crates specifically is, you know, through these hackathons, I developed a lot of skills. Um, while, and during this uh, hackathon, I also uh, took a lot of courses, uh, Udemy courses, specifically Steven Ryder. Um, and one of his courses was about React.js, which is uh, the front end software for creating websites. And I basically paid $10 for what I think is around $10,000 worth of content. Um, I also pay for a lot of like other Steven Greider like uh, videos and courses. They're just really helpful for me. And as for like more general foundations of computer science, uh, it was kind of mainly through the course AP Computer Science uh, A at my high school. And yeah, that's pretty much how I managed to get the skills needed uh, to make supply great and where my passion for coding kind of began. <laughs> to think that it came from a Pokemon game. That, <laughs> that's amazing to hear. Oh, wow. It, it seems like there's a lot of uh, blissful opportunities if you if you happen to look for it um, with coding. Right. And we, that actually kind of goes into our question from a listener. So they are wondering, do you have any advice for students or young people interested in coding, such yeah. as yourself? Yeah, of course. So basically, I would say if you really want to develop your uh, programming skills, do stuff um, like go on Udemy, you know, uh, purchase. I, I think Udemy does have some free courses, but I honestly think it's worth to take a look at Stephen Greider's courses and potentially uh, purchase them for like $10. Um, and also, you know, take a look at other free resources like Code Academy. So these are kind of for, you know, if you kind of just want to develop um, your skills, uh, you should also really go to hackathons because hackathons are really great in that, they're not just coding events, they're also social events. Um, you're able to meet up with a lot of um, representatives from really big um, tech firms. You're supposed to make connections. You can also meet up with really cool like people uh, from all across the country that have similar interests or maybe even different interests and you can kind of bond over the idea of uh, software development. Um, you know, also make your own projects. Like don't just read coding from a book, like try to apply that coding, whether that be like a BMI calculator, like a, I don't know, like a RPG game or something like that. Um, and also a thing for coding is that, uh, so I kind of learned this like last year in that, okay, so the idea is we should all follow our dreams, right? Um, but sometimes in order to follow your dreams, you gotta take an interesting route. So if you really wanna study computer science in college, that, that's great. But low key, don't apply to colleges with that in your major because computer science is really impacted, which means that uh, at least in my case, you know, sometimes you could apply to like 30 colleges and only get into like five of them um, wow. because you chose computer science for every single one of them. And it's like the hardest major. So I had a lot of computer science ECs, but the issue is computer science is like the most popular thing. Like my counselor was talking to USC, uh, I think a year ago, and they were like, yeah, our average acceptance is like 16%. Our computer science acceptance is 1%. So just speaking from personal experience and also hearing from other people, if you really want to study CS, what you could do is apply to college via a different major um, and then later on switch into computer science, but just don't apply straight on. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my tips, I would guess, uh, for programming. Man, that's a great tips for not only people who are currently interested, but also for the future in college. So yeah, thank you for that insight. And speaking of your coding and creating um, you know, your own websites and your passion for politics, 
with a new inauguration, I just wanted to talk about another project of yours, Meme Pack. So could you talk about Meme Pack, you know, what a super PAC is, you know, how you got into it, and what the impact of Meme, meme Pack has actually been? Right. So for those who don't know, a super PAC is basically a PAC, which is a political organization monitor, monitored by the uh, Federal Election Committee, the FEC, um, that lobbies indirectly or directly for campaigns. And a super PAC is basically uh, an OP version of the PAC, overpowered, that can get unlimited donations. And I, I understand there is a stigma around super PACs because historically they've been used to do some sus stuff. Yeah. But we're trying to change the name of the game and hopefully use the power of super PACs for good. Um, so, yeah. And how did I learn about super PACs? So I, I mainly learned about, you know, what structurally and, you know, theoretically uh, super PACs are through AP government. You know, I, the class was really enjoyable. I really loved history. I think I, I probably took like all history classes at my high school, Sage Hill. Um, and also I, I learned about the application of a super PAC um, through looking at the Lincoln Project, uh, which is a Republican super PAC that um, basically roasts Trump using Republican um, like values, like patriotism and stuff like that. And so that's kind of how I learned about what a super PAC, you know, is and functions and what it actually looks like. And, you know, why did I find Meme Pack? Um, so Meme Pack is a super PAC that for the past few months has roasted Trump from a, or criticized Trump, sorry, roast is more informal, from a Gen Z perspective with uh, new mediums. So, you know, instead of just having videos, what we have is we have videos and we also have like websites and tools, stuff like we made a website called uh, Trump Tinder, which is basically like, Tinder, but from the uh, point of view of Trump. So you would be able to slide uh, left and right and also chat with a lot of uh, Trump associated figures. Um, and we also had tools like MAGA Remover, which is basically a uh, website where if you put in a picture of someone with a MAGA hat, it automatically removes it from the photo and it puts a Joe Biden hat on instead. Um, so we kind of made stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of political entities out there, whether they be PACs like the Lincoln Project or Instagram accounts like Settle for Biden. However, what I've noticed with these organizations is that they're kind of stuck in ancient tactics. You know, we have enough dramatic videos and aesthetically pleasing infographics. I'm guessing you guys see that too all the time, you know, on your uh, on your friends' Instagram stories where it's like this thing, this thing uh, that they're sharing on their stories all the time. And I just feel like the market's too saturated with that in that, you know, we're Gen Z, right? Like we're the, um, we're the generation that grew up with memes. And so we could definitely make different right. things. We can make uh, games, we can make websites, we can make all these different, we can make apps, all these different new things to kind of look at uh, politics from a more, you know, uh, tech focused um, uh, lens. And so, yeah, Meme Pack is trying to change the name of the game you know, we're building websites in the future, we're thinking of selling like political card games, um, like stuff like that. And also we wanna do like a variety of other creative comedic projects. You know, maybe we'll buy a few billboards in the future, who knows? And the question is, you know, why, why do you name it Meme Pack, right? Like, it seems like a very trivial name. So memes are actually a novel uh, medium of communication, similar to how poems convey information through rhyme memes do so uh, through humor. And despite their tr seemingly trivial public perception, memes actually have an understated importance, uh, especially during politics and during the 2016 uh, election. The diffusion of anti-Semitic racist memes supporting Donald Trump 
uh, kind of helps to clear his victory. And memes are also kind of the language that Gen Z and later generations have and will continue to grow up with. Um, and because of that, the ability to communicate effectively with memes is crucial to shaping the future of America. And that's kind of how Meme Pack was born. Uh, we aim to flip the switch on memes and using them to lift up communities and rather than put them down. And the question, you know, a lot of you may have is like, you know, you start meme pack, but like, why, why politics? Why, why am I personally interested? And so I was kind of exposed to politics through activities like debate, whether it was, uh, whether it was debating whether or not we should nuke North Korea or have compulsory voting debate, you know, really educated me on a lot of topics. Um, you know, I was kind of infamous in debate, uh, emphasis on the infamous, uh, it wasn't really a good thing. People will kind of come up to me and like, hey, are you that kid who argued that we should not nuke North Korea because we can use K-pop as a deterrent? Uh, just a lot of events like that occurred and that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, anyways, I digress. Um, as also politics is something that has really interested me because I'm a Chinese American. Uh, I've witnessed discrimination you know, uh, to myself personally, and it was nothing close, in my opinion, to what other minority groups like African Americans have to deal with. You know, I have been made fun of for my race, and I understand that, you know, there, there's definitely systemic issues that have, uh, have to be solved. And also, I've been pretty politically active. Um, I go to a lot of rallies, uh, especially Bernie Sanders ones. I also speak during um, events. Uh, I, I remember my school had a walkout movement and I, I basically, during the, the walkout movement for gun control, I kind of just came out, uh, it delivered a speech in front of my whole entire school. Uh, but yeah, so this year, I, in my opinion, was specifically important to me because of everything at stake, uh, like COVID-19, healthcare, climate change, and even democracy itself. And so, you know, the general election and also the Senate runoff races in Georgia were instrumental to our future. And kind of with all these things going on, you know, I just really saw that um, I, I needed to do something on politics. And yeah, you know, that's kind of why I created MeanPack and stuff like that. And the question now is, you know, what has MeanPack done? What is, the, what is its impact? And so MeanPack has been covered by the New York Times, Good Morning America, and Business Insider. We have over 350,000 followers with over 15 million views on our TikTok um, and other social media platforms. Um, so what else MeanPack has done is that it educates and helped, um, you know, get a lot of the younger generation, especially Gen Z, uh, interested in the world of politics. And, you know, that's kind of our, our mission. You know, our, our mission isn't something that's like super big, like, oh, solve climate change. Our goal is kind of just to, you know, hype and interested, uh, uh, hype and educate uh, people of the younger generation so they could also have, you know, an interest in politics and also uh, do some advocacy uh, if they're so inclined. But yeah, that's kind of the impact and story of MeanPack. Wow, man. Like just listening to you is so impressive, especially with something like MeanPack. A lot of times you don't even think the youth has any impact in terms of politics or voting. Uh, but just seeing what you've been able to create is very impressive, especially through social media, TikTok. Um, and just getting your brand out there. It's very impressive. And at the end of the day, I think uh, it inspires all of us to, you know, create our own uh, passion projects uh, like you have, several of them. Um, mm -hmm. So we would like to end off every interview uh, with one staple question, which is 
you know, what is your favorite quote that you live by or that inspires you? And what is one inspirational message that, you know, you'd like to put out to the world or the audience? Right. Um, I guess my quote is really simple. It's one word, uh, Date Bayo, uh, which translates to believe it. And so the reason why this quote is kind of something I live by, because it is a word um, said by Naruto Uzumaki from the show Naruto, basically every single line. Um, you know, in the entire show, he's been kind of this figure who's been ostracized because, I mean, understandably so, because he has like a demon inside his stomach. But anyways, the the entire, like his entire village and everyone he knows kind of sees him as this um, person who will never like rise to the top. Um, and so Dr. Bayo, he's always trying to prove people wrong. He's always trying to say, believe it, believe it. I'll do this. I'll become Hokage, which is like the leader of the village. Believe it. And so for me, it's kind of become this optimistic message in that, you know, I truly believe that if you believe in something and do everything in your power to work towards that goal, you'll eventually reach that dream. You know, maybe it won't be in a year. I mean, maybe it won't be like right away. Maybe it'll be in a year, two years, or maybe even 10 years. You know, even a reality TV star became president. You know, anything is possible. And so, you know, while Naruto Uzumaki is trying to be Hokage, you know, my, my main goal is that I'm trying to be one of, I'm trying to be one of the few Chinese uh, senators in the U.S. And that's kind of my main goal that I'm working towards. And kind of Dr. Bayo is just this message I really believe in um, and that it keeps driving me towards my goals and that, you know, it's this idea of proving other people wrong. It's this idea of believing in yourself. And this is kind of the quote I believe uh, I live by and inspires me. I actually have a Dr. Bayo on like a t-shirt I created with my face on it. But yeah, that's pretty much the quote I live by. That's about you, believe it. All right, and thank you so much for uh, for sharing your insights, especially on Supply Crate, Meme Pack, and everything else that you're working on. It's, uh, again, we're, we're very excited to talk to you today. And I think uh, me and Nathan have learned learned a lot for sure. So Nathan, any final words? Yeah, I mean, we wish you the best in your endeavors. I can definitely see the passion behind it. And that extends to our audience members as well. If you would like to learn more about Meme Pack or explore your curiosity in politics, be sure to check it out. And also check out the resources for coding if you're interested in that as well. But yes, thank you so much for coming on, Jackie. And to our audience members, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you on our next episode. 